Kevin Rumble Podcast with your hosts, Mick Sinclair and Ben McIntyre. All right, we are back. Harley Heaven Rumble Podcast. This is show number 40. I'm Mick Sinclair, and back with me today is the legendary sales manager of Harley Heaven Melbourne, Ben McIntyre. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, mate. It's been a little while. It's been a couple of months since we've been in the booth here at Harley Heaven Melbourne, but it's good to be back. We're going to relaunch the show and, and get it back on the road. I can't believe we've done 40 shows. 40? I know. I feel like I say that every time we do it. I can't believe we've done this many. I can't believe we've done. No, it's good. Good to be back here. I'm excited. We've uh, been playing around with some new ideas in terms of formats and topics. So we're going to try and go out every fortnight now. Um, but we did go out to uh, Sports Entertainment Network today to a TV studio. And we're going to do a few TV versions, TV shows of uh, version of the Harley Heaven Rumble. It's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. It's like a like a. So for you listening, it's like a sports show sort of panel. Screens behind you, and then we'll have it on. It's like a full line. footy show set up, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's like the footy show. But we'll have yeah. bikes instead. Yeah, so uh, you and me will do that. We'll get uh, Theo in, Cara, Chris down from Sydney. It's going to be a lot of fun. A few different guests along the way. We're going to do three episodes and uh, hopefully roll that out in uh, June or July. But I'm really looking forward to doing that. So we're just trying to think of different ways to freshen it up. But we're going to try and get in here and record a different show every fortnight anyway. Uh, What's going on, Benny? We've got a decent show planned. We're going to talk about a few different topics, probably three or four. We've got a bit to catch up on, but before we do that, what's going on? Well, I feel like there's a fair bit of happening at Harley at the moment. Like there's with the new CEO, there's a bit of a change in direction, and like there's no denying that stock has been hard to get over mm-hmm. the last little while. They've really pulled back on stock, so we're starting to get new bikes flow through again. But a lot of it's sold already. So if you're looking for something specific. Get in, don't miss out. That stock shortage, is that still because of COVID and they closed the plants and now they're just trying to catch up or is it something else? No, I think it's more of the corporate strategy of Harley-Davidson to reduce the amount of stock instead of walking in and having a showroom full of bikes and have anything you want in any colour. It makes it a little bit more premium and exclusive. I mean, there's a couple of ways of talking about it. Uh, We had um, Harley-Davidson Australia in here a couple of weeks ago. And the thing, like the way I... Shout out to Jessica and Lindsay. Yeah, Jessica was in here and I said to her, I said, look, you could look at it one of two ways. You could be annoyed that there's no stock or you could look at it that it then builds the anticipation. If you've got to wait for your bike, you've got something to look forward to, it gives you time to plan your build instead of just, oh, just I'll take that one there and that'll do and I'll just ride it out tomorrow. It gives you a little bit of time to actually enjoy the process of ordering a bike, building it with our team, and then getting it out, even though it's a little bit annoying. <laughs> you have you to do it, it now, properly, though. I mean, we have to do that yeah. properly to make it exciting. Like the opposite end to that, right? So I've just bought a new car. Oh, it's really? not going to arrive until August, and I probably bought that a month ago and haven't heard a thing mm. from the sales guy or the dealership. So for me, it's kind of just pissed me off a little bit, and kind of taking the jam out of my donut in terms of buying a new car yeah i can understand that so i get what they're trying to do but it really 
goes back to the dealer, staying in contact with yeah. the customer. Hey, we heard your bike's gone. He's, you know, he's crossing the Pacific Ocean now, yeah. or it's you know landed at the the dock, or you know we've got to communicate with the customer the whole way. But yeah, I think it's important to keep building it as well. You know, like if you like you, you haven't heard from them in a month. Probably nothing's happened in that time, but it always feels nice to get a little reminder that you've got it coming, an email. Or Just something. Yeah. Anyway, so we've got plenty of stock coming in. We know that. What about um, events? What events have we got coming up? There's been a fair bit. We've had heaps of shop rides. I know Sydney have been pumping them out and doing a great job. They're getting really good turnouts. Western Sydney had a bike night not long ago with Show and Shine. And we had a shop ride that didn't eventuate on Saturday. You had a typical Melbourne shop ride <laughs> in May where it pissed down rain. It was hailing. At, hailing. When I posted on, on social media yeah. on Saturday morning that yeah. we weren't going to do the ride, we still did the barbecue. Mm-hmm. It, just started hailing only for a couple of minutes but it's a typical melbourne shop ride in winter uh, adelaide had one on the weekend we got a garage party coming up for the for ladies at harley heaven ringwood uh second of june i think it is so there's plenty going on it's really cool to be doing stuff again yeah back in doing videos like we shot that really cool video with phil downstairs in the workshop it's just good to be able to move around again yeah, so there's uh, plenty going on and that's not going to stop. We're um, going to be doing lots of different things. We've also got Bring Out the Beast, so it's probably our biggest workshop promo mm. for the that's year. That's always a winner. Yeah, so that's 15% off any performance upgrade. Uh, it's not at all stores, though. It's only at, uh, where is it? D- Dandenong uh, Ringwood. Sydney. Yeah, Dandenong yeah. Ringwood in Western Sydney. Yeah. The other stores um, are still flat out, so... It's exclusive to those stores, but now's a good opportunity to go get your work, your bike worked on it and save some bucks if you're going to do a different upgrade or whatever. It's always a good time to do that sort of stuff, though. You know, like if you're going to add a cam or a hot up kit, you don't want it to be off the road for a couple of weeks or a week or however long it takes um, in the middle of summer. Have you found that dudes are not riding their bikes as much as what they were this time last year? I don't know. Haven't heard that in store? No, not really. Because I know that, you know, I haven't rode for a couple of weeks, maybe even longer. I haven't rode my mountain bike for probably six weeks where before this time last year I was riding everything. It's because kids' sports started again. Uh, This time last year there was nothing to do. Yeah, there you go. But riding your Harley wasn't illegal. Riding a mountain bike wasn't illegal. So we were doing it a hell of a lot. Yeah, okay. Now I'm not doing anything but kids' sport. See, I've got an eight-month-old, so I don't really do much aside from being here, go home, spend time with the baby. But that's what, yeah. So I'm, I'm just curious to see if, if there's, you know, heaps of riding still going on at the moment. It'd be interesting to hear your thoughts of whether you're riding more or less than what you were during COVID. Yeah, like our hog chapter's been in here quite a lot on Saturday mornings recently. Mm-hmm. We had, like, we got their monthly barbecue. We had the barbecue on the weekend just gone. I think hoggies were probably riding a lot. Hoggies because they can be get back lot, yeah. to doing it. But, I mean, I'm not in the hog chapter. And, you know, last year I was riding with one or two people and you're trying yeah. to have to kind yeah. of sneak around to do that. Yeah. Um, but now yeah, there's so much going on. It's just like that stopped a little bit. Well, it's back to normal. It is. Uh, remember, wherever you're listening to this show, give us a five-star review. It goes a long way. Hey, and I just want to say a huge shout out and thank you to uh, everyone in the US having a listen. Can you believe we've got 34% of our listeners uh, from the US at the moment? Uh, you said it before and I wonder if they just like our accents. I don't know, but even though we haven't been doing it, we haven't done a show for two months, like yeah. the show's still been getting plenty of listens. We're almost yeah. at 60,000 and um, 
I hadn't looked at it for a little while. And then when we're just sitting here getting ready, it surprised me to say 34% are coming from the US. Last time we were talking about numbers, we're only just at 50,000. Yeah, so we've had, you know, although we haven't been punching out new shows where yeah. people have still been listening to it which is really cool so a big thank you to everyone who's stayed with us during our little hiatus um and welcome aboard to everyone in the u.s who's jumped on out so i'm super exciting that you're listening to us so let's get into it um we've got a few different topics the first one we're going to talk about is you know it's a bit of an end of an era and i'm calling it r.i.p sportster so perhaps no other motorcycle in harley davidson product lineup has ever been so successful and versatile as a sportser. And a couple of weeks ago, after 64 years, Harley-Davidson announced that 2021 will be the final year of production. That's how I read it. But then I got my ass kicked from Harley Australia. I shouldn't say I got my ass kicked, but I got asked You got to, correct. I got rephrased to say it's the final year of production for the Iron 883, Iron 1200, and 48 for the Australian market. Mm. Which are the only sportsers that we have left. That's right. But what does that mean for the sports to category globally? Are they canning it or are they getting rid of those and going to introduce new sportsters? What well, is it? Well, I'm not really 100% sure. So in 2001 model season, they stopped the 883 Superlow, mm-hmm. the 1200 Customs. So we already got... Yeah, we went from six to three. Yeah. What else did they miss? Uh, the Roadster. Yeah. Roadster? Yep. Yeah. So they yep, chopped yep, off yep. them and we were down to three, which sort of... I feel like the last five years, everyone's been speculating that this is going to happen. Like ever since I started, it was going to be the last year for the sports now. Yeah. That was six years ago. Yeah. And now it seems it's, like it is, here. but is it really? Like the way that it's phrased is that it's the is end it, for Australia. Is it so. similar to the breakout? You know, last year the breakout was canned globally except for us and maybe two other markets, I think yeah. Germany and somewhere else. Yeah, I would presume so. That's, that'd be my guess. And I think a lot of it's to do with the fact that the sports, the engine – isn't going to comply with any emission standards, mm-hmm. A, because really the motor, like we've had Evo Sporties since 1986. They've changed a little bit over that time, but not a lot. Yeah. And then I think the markets where they've still, like they would, they're still compliant here at the moment until our emissions laws change. But in some markets, like I know Southeast Asia, sports are still quite popular. Because their import taxes are so insane, like a sporty is three times the price of what they are here. So wow. to be able to get Harleys in the market, they still need to have these models, would be my guess. They said that they've chopped them from the Australian market due to declining sales. Have they dropped off that bad? We're not selling as many as what we once were? Yeah, it's been like that for the last couple of years. But mm-hmm. the last two years, I feel that there's been difficult to actually get them. So... The, with all the other models, soft tails, everything, Harley have just made them, send them to us, and then they arrive. Whereas they've really wound down the supply over the last couple of years, which naturally is going to affect the demand. Yeah. Um, like if you if you can't get one for four months, but you can go and buy a pre-owned one, what are you going to do? And it's the kind of like sporties are always a little bit of an impulse buy because the price point isn't. Thirty-five thousand dollars, you can buy a new Iron Eight Eight Three for like sixteen grand or eighteen two fifty. I think they are this year. Yeah, they went up, didn't they? Yeah, they went up two grand. So, I think it's a little bit more of an impulse buy, a bit more of dipping your toe in the water. So, people just like your first Harley was a forty-eight. Yep. 
because it isn't a huge like why did you buy the 48 to begin with i bought the 48 because at the time i could either buy a stock street bob like i could afford a stock street bob or i could get a 48 and do it up a fair bit yeah exactly so that's why i got the 48 because i didn't want to ride a stock street bob yeah but that's like a price point it was was all price driven yeah so if you can we i mean i suppose that probably feeds in a little bit to the price rise because now they're like a stock 48 is 20 grand whereas a a softail standard's only 21 and a half and a street bob 114 23 24 so you can extra four grand you go from a 48 to a street bob 114 to well that's exactly what happened to me yeah exactly that's your stage one and a yeah. little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think like over the last couple of years, they've been gear like all the signs have been there. That's why the speculation's been that they're gearing up towards getting rid of them, and that's what it is. I mean, the official statement that we got from Harley Australia was that uh, we are announcing today that model year twenty one will be the final year of production for Iron eight eight three, Iron twelve hundred, and forty eight models for the ANZ market. You will receive final inventory volumes shortly, and this will be the last of these units. All three have been valuable contributions to our portfolio over the years and we have seen lower demand in recent years. So the interesting line there is the ANZ markets. Correct. Which I thought the same thing when I read it to begin with was that... It's uh, another breakout situation. Yeah. So I'd like to know what other brand, what other markets they're still selling in, but I'd imagine it would be countries with high import tariffs. Yeah, I don't know. I reckon they're going to go, but anyway, time, go. time will tell. I think it's inevitable they're going to go eventually. You know, for 21, the Sportsters were moved to the street category because the street 500s disappeared. And then if you look at the website, there is no Sportster category. It's a street category, and that's where the Sportsters have moved to. This so we've also been hearing about the custom 1250 yeah. for about 18 months, and, you know, we all thought that was going to come yeah. when the Pan America launched, and then we also thought it was going to come around the announcement of the Revival mm. Icon, mm. Uh, the Icon's Revival collection. It didn't, so it's still hanging. So maybe that's gonna, that custom 1250 is going to overtake or sit in the place of the Sportsters and become that Sportster slash street category. So maybe that custom 1250 will be the new yeah. sporty. Yeah, I don't know. I think like the the street category that they've got on the website is probably like I find that a little bit confusing because we had the street five hundred. People go on looking for sporties now, and you don't instantly find it because it's like, what does that even mean, street? Mm. You know, like it's not a street five hundred. Uh, but I, I I can see what you mean. That will then mean they get rid of that sports to name or yeah. will they call this new custom 1200 sports how long has sporty's been around for i know we've done a history lesson 1957 years so. you know, years ago fuck we've been doing the podcast for years but we've done it a while ago but touch on the the history a little bit well i mean originally you could i mean you could say that the history of a sports to, i would probably argue goes back to like 1929 when the d model first came out so that really? was the first 45 cube side valve small twin mm-hmm. and then they graduated the d model into the r model and then from there went to the w and then went to the k models so a lot of people will say that the k model was really the start that was 52 yeah which was 52 but yeah. i don't know I'd, I'd probably say 
the the D model in 29 was really where that category started even though it wasn't called a sports or a came or anything i'd say that the the category of the small twin and big twin differentiation started in 29 mm-hmm. um and then obviously the K model which was um big advancement like K model had rear shocks um had a hand clutch things like that and then 57 we had sportsters for the first time and then basically we've had sporties ever since so you had iron head sportsters mm-hmm. and then so that's from 86 evo sportsters in 86 and then basically they've been the same ever since yeah so they're pr- they're long runs like 57 to 85 and then 86 to today when did the xl term start in 80 uh no when sportsters came out in 57 so what does the xl mean it's just a model designation. That was just the, for that small twin. It's like K model. So they didn't call them an XL or an X model. They call them a sportster. So, that's so I, I read somewhere that XL for the sportster term meant extra light or experimental lightweight. Possibly. You, you haven't heard that? Uh, well, possibly. I haven't heard that one, but huh. quite possibly. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make that up, by the way. I actually did read that. And did a bit of research before the show, so very much, very well could be true. I've you've just, just learnt something from me. There you go. I've always just assumed that it was like everything else had model designations. That was just the models that they picked, like the name that they picked for it. Mm. Uh, well, it's interesting. You know, time's gonna time will tell um, over the you know next couple of months. I guess we're going to find out whether we're going to, you know get anything else in terms of the sports store or that's it or they're going to hang around globally who knows like harley really keep us on our toes with that yeah i mean i'd be very interested to see what that 1200 1250 custom thing ends up being imagine if it's like 150 horsepower like the pan america is in a small light sort of chassis for the road it'll be just how do you feel about it the sporty's gone the i883 the 48 and the 1200 you know like it's Pretty iconic and classic. It's just pretty classic. Like, as a, I'd class them as a retro bike. I'm bummed that they're gone. Like, uh, I'm too big for them personally. Mm-hmm. Like, but I still really enjoy riding them just because they're pure fun. Yeah. Like, they're not comfortable or practical. You can't ride long distance. But to just jump on a sporty and blast around. I rode my friend's Iron Eight Eight Three recently, mm-hmm. and just as a road bike to get around on, it feels cool. It sounds cool. And it does feel like a retro bike. Like they don't, they don't feel. Well, they feel a little bit lighter and more nimble than what an old bike does. But they, they're just a good balance, like between that retro, just being a motorcycle. Like they're just a motorcycle. I was speaking to actually one of the guys from, uh, what is it, bikesales.com.au that does the reviews, mm-hmm. um, and he. He explained how he was doing the the Hayabusa launch at Phillip Island like a month before that. And he's like, it's got 10 stages of traction control, five stages of wheelie control, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, but you can't use that on the road. Who is going to be like dialing in? To go to work, I need uh, seven (laughs) on my traction control. (laughs) You might. Whereas on like, whether it's a sports or a soft tail, but we're, we're talking about sports, there's... It's a motorcycle. You just jump on it and you ride it. You it's have to ride it. Yeah. It's just, it is what it is. And it's just enjoyable to ride. It's all about the feel. It's all about the feeling that it gives you. And for me, like I've spoken before, riding motorcycles is all about the feeling that it gives you. Mm-hmm. Like, 
it doesn't give them riding an iron eighty three doesn't give you the adrenaline rush that riding a Hayabusa would or a Ducati or something like that. But it just feels cool. It feels really analog, and it just is fun. Like it's just fun. Yeah. Oh, time's going to tell. We'll move on to the next one. But yeah, look, I, I'm disappointed that the sporty's gone. But you know, it is what it is, and I, you know, the motor company aren't stupid, so they're, they're doing it for a reason, and, and no doubt there's exciting things in the pipeline for you know yeah. what's going to re- replace it yeah definitely benny what the fuck is going on with the live wire well they've split live wire as a separate entity now so they're not a harley davidson live wire branded harley davidson live wire it's just going to be branded live wire why I, I think i've got a couple of theories on it like it caught me off guard I mean, but, but at the same time, I kind of knew something was happening with the live wire because over the last few months, there's been zero talk about it. Yeah, which I, I mean, I, it allows Harley to put the motorcycle in front of customers that... Who are looking. ...would not normally come into a Harley-Davidson dealership. At the moment, we don't get that many Harley customers, like inverted commas, say core customers, mm-hmm. looking for an electric bike. But if you went and put that bike, did what Tesla does and open up a Livewire store at Chadston, something like that, at a big shopping centre, if you're outside of Melbourne, you don't know what Chadston is, and you just walk in, they've got big screens, you've got a consultant that helps you pick your specs and then it just turns up at your house. Mm-hmm. You know, like they could do things like that. They could put them into other branded stores because it's not a Harley. Harley likes to be standalone, which we've discussed before, which is right back from the founding days. Mm-hmm. So it allows them to put it in front of non-Harley customers, which I think are the people that will and the people that have been buying them, you know. Like, And then you look at our, well, no one really knows, but the customers that we've sold LiveWise to so far, out of the handful that we've sold, only one is actually a Harley customer. All the rest have been more EV customers, uh, early adopters, just l- different to our normal customers. Yeah. Like, didn't want T-shirts, not about Harley, just really love the fact that it's an electric bike, more so the fact that it's a Harley Davidson. So by doing this, then you're allowing that motorcycle to be sold elsewhere, not under the Harley brand, because Harley's pretty protective of their brand. Very protective. Yeah. What did Joshim say? Uh, He said... One of the six pillars of the hardwire strategy is to lean in electric. By launching Livewire as an all-electric brand, we are seizing the opportunity to lead and define the market in EV. With the mission to be most desirable electric motorcycle brand in the world, Livewire will pioneer the future of motorcycling for the purest of urban adventure and beyond. Livewire also plans to innovate and develop technology that will be applicable to Harley-Davidson electric models in the future, which I think is that's the key. Yeah, the, it's a to pathway to, to new EVs, Yeah, um, which, again, don't appeal to your typical Harley customer. Yeah, They're going to be able to do scooters. They might yeah. be able to do anything. And could you, cause could, can you imagine if Harley were to bring out an EV scooter, mm. right? Mm. The sh- amount of shit mm. talk that mm. there was around the live wire, which looks okay, yeah. 
But imagine if they brought out an electric moped or something. Imagine, yeah. And they couldn't brand that Harley. So that's probably why they've, a big Which part of why they've done this. Yeah, it, it opens it up and 100%. takes away the restrictions of what they can do design-wise too. Yeah, exactly. Like if you look at the whole hardware strategy and this feeds into the Icon collection, which we talk about a little bit later. Yeah. Harley's really doubling down on the Harley-Davidson brand and not trying to change it to be something that it's not. I mean, we've got a hundred and nearly 20 years of Harley-Davidson history. The Livewire is probably too much of a step forward for where the brand currently is. And so this allows Harley to develop EV tech. What does that mean for us, though, and other dealers, you know, who have invested, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to become a Livewire stockist? Does that mean... That officially now we're a multi-franchise dealership or is it business as usual for us in Australia? What's the go? Well, I mean, the initial focus will be on the in the US market for that. I mean, I know Harley's still got, like, we've got 20 models. We're still selling Harley-Davidson live wires. I think, actually, this presents quite a good opportunity. If you are a Harley-Davidson customer, you love the brand but you're also quite a progressive thinker, you're interested in EV, to grab a Harley-Davidson Livewire while you can. Mm -hmm. Whether or not they're worth something now, these are the sort of bikes that will be collectible in the future. You look at things that were launched under one brand and then they disappeared, went off in a different direction. They're the ones that become collectible. So if you grab a Livewire now, it's a big investment, but down the track you'll have an electric Harley-Davidson. I think it's... There's an opportunity to have something really cool and different. And if you rock up to Cars and Coffee on a live wire, Harley-Davidson, like it's always going to be a talking point, whatever you do, wherever you go. It's just something a little bit unusual and different where it's going to the live wire brand. People won't draw the parallels with it being a Harley. Yep, for sure. Less of a talking point. Yep. So, for m- I mean, this is coming for the from the point of a, Someone's passionate about Harleys. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I understand what you're saying. But I think it's quite an interesting thing. The, the other thing with this whole strategy is if you look at companies like Rimac, so Rimac, they make a like an electric supercar and it's really crazy fast. And But they're actually part owned by, I think, Porsche and Nissan maybe. But basically they develop EV tech for the automotive industry. And then they sell it and license it and things like that. So if, if Harley's really smart, they will develop all their EV tech. They'll develop really proprietary stuff that perhaps they couldn't do under being the Harley-Davidson banner. And they can go really left the field and be really super progressive that would just be detrimental to the Harley brand. And then they can use that and sell that technology and have a s- <coughs> other streams of income to support the rest of the company. You know, and... Something I just thought of then, I think Harley customers aren't ready for EV, right? Yeah. So if they go away, they start their own brand, they build it up, build it up, have it sitting there, brew it away, and then by the time in 10 years' time when we're ready, yeah, bang, straight in. They've done it all. Yeah, exactly. They own it all. I mean, that's what, it, that's what I read from Yoshin's statement in that last sentence is that um, applicable to Harley-Davidson electric models oh, in yeah. the future. Yep. So... Whether we like it or not, however you feel about electric, the reality is it's coming. There's markets overseas that they've got that they have a deadline where they do not want to be selling internal combustion vehicles brand new. So really, you don't have it. You don't have a chance. Yeah, I think the UK and parts of Europe are talking about doing by 2030 no internal combustion new vehicles, which seems really soon. But you look at how fast, like 
iPhone was only introduced in, what, 2007 or something. Crazy to think our We're kids probably won't drive a normal car. Yeah. <laughs> well, you look now, you wind-up windows, carbureted vehicles, things like that. How many kids now would even know what a car be is? wind-up window. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. And then what does that then mean for the vehicles that we currently have? While I'm selling them new now, it seems just crazy that these would be lusted after. But then if I look back at some of the old vehicles that I own and have had in the past, they were new at one point and guys that are much older than me that were selling them new, they're still current vehicles to them. Like, oh, yeah, car ready, do this, 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 this. I was around when they were brand new. And it seems weird that you would have sat nav and things in a bike that we just take for granted now. Mm. So it just becomes the norm. Right. Like there was a point in time when we didn't even have overhead valve Harley Davidsons for sale. We go back to 29, which I was talking before, that was a side valve. Mm. So totally different to what we've got now. Going back to uh, Livewire, have you been selling any? Yeah, we've sold Did a few. Did I saw one the other day that on the daily run sheet that you yeah, we've sold, sold on? Yeah, we've sold a few. You got two on the floor here now, don't you? Uh, one of them belongs to Harley. Ah, oh, right. It's a press <coughs> bike. So what are you selling, one a month? Yeah, probably one a month. It's not bad. On average, like how long? Oh, maybe one every two months since we got them. Yeah, okay. If you were to average it out. Yeah, because yeah. how long would we have had them for? Eight months or something? We've sold four or five. Only eight months. I would have thought it was 12. No, nah, September. It was late. Yeah, it was late in the year. I know. It was the week that my daughter was born. Oh, was it? Yep, because uh, I came here before I went to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> and I was well, traffic I in the hospital until t- two o'clock. Or traffic something. was really bad, honey. I'm traffic sorry. Was really bad because <laughs> I came here and took it for a test ride, and then went to the hospital to see him. So again, look, you know, the motor company are keeping us on our toes with EV. You know, there was so much hype towards Livewire, and we tried bloody hard with it. We spent some serious dollars to get the bike in store and to market it. Yeah. Um, and you would say it probably hasn't gone. As well as we would have hoped. I mean, it's been good. It's been okay. Look, I think but it's gone when you exactly... Go to it, I don't want to... Like, this sounds egotistical, but I think it's gone almost exactly how I would have expected it to. I wouldn't have expected them to split it off into a different company, but it makes sense in some way. Knowing what you know and your experience in Harley, you probably yeah. know how... You probably thought it's gone What, however you... How you would have thought it would have went, but when you're looking yeah. at the dollars we got to spend to get charges, your marketing, all that, you'd probably like a bit more of a return. But yeah. I mean, it hasn't been all bad. No, uh, it's been pretty good. The bike is still one of my favourite bikes to ride. There's no denying that that thing is so much fun. Like I've said all the way along, if you've got an open mind and you're a motorcyclist, you will enjoy riding that motorcycle. Yeah, like you, you can't not. It's just fun to ride, and it is so much fun. If you like. Just ride it. Mm-hmm. If you get the chance, just take one for a ride and you'll see what we mean. So next we're going to talk about the Icon Revival Collection. What's that all about, Benny? Again, so this, I think, speaks to Harley-Davidson's broader strategy of really doubling down on 100 and... I keep saying 100 and nearly 20. It's nearly 120 years. Mm of Harley-Davidson history and what the customers really want. I mean, I was really interested to see how this was received because they didn't, like Harley's really gone since the 80s 
into that badass biker. I'm looking tough. I'm in a pool hall marketing thing. But they went with this with a real sort of mid-century, like more of a stylish and sophisticated but talk marketing before you, strategy for it. Yeah, but before you talk about the bike, what is the collection? Like what's it going to be? So I'm getting there, Mick. I'm getting there. I'll spit it out. So it's basically Harley's just looking at what they've done in the past and they want to replicate some of those previous models. So this this one they've called the Electroglide Revival. Basically, even in model designation, they've revived a 1969 Electroglide. Why they picked that particular year, I'm not really sure. Actually, because of the, like the Batwing fairing. That was mm-hmm. the first year of the Batwing fairing. And they've just replicated it in a new one. So if you look at it, it's very similar to a Street Glide crossed with probably a Road King Classic. They've got a Batwing fairing. It's painted white like it was in 1969. It's got white saddlebags, hi-fi blue. It looks really cool. It's just... And people went berserk over it. Yeah, I'm impressed they didn't get scared of doing it the way it is because it's bold, you know. They've got a white fairing on them and white White saddlebags, two-tone black denim and hi-fi blue. So when I saw it, I was quite surprised. And even the buddy seat. I was quite surprised that they didn't get scared and start put all these other graphics on it. No, they had a crack and it's yeah, really it's good. got the right badges on it. Yeah. So. It looked cool and uh, it was very sought after. I mean, they only did 1,500 globally. Globally. And Australia got 30, 30 so we were led to believe. 32. It kept changing every time it spoke. It kept changing. Like 32, And I honestly think 31. that... If we didn't get, if Australia didn't get more than thirty, I'd be very surprised after the reaction um, for when that thing went live because mm. we could have sold twenty ourselves. So I, I sold think we got six or seven between the group, something like that. So I, they came out on the Tuesday. <coughs> I we were one. quick to go to market too, by the way. Yeah, we smashed it. But they like they released it like Tuesday morning our time in the middle of the night, but say Tuesday, and then by Wednesday at about lunchtime, because I put an order in for another one, got a deposit out of a customer, and I couldn't even fulfill the order. No, so we went out at 7 a.m. that morning. Yeah. And we're just getting pinged all day. We're still getting pinged now. Yeah. So, but I think it's good they've kept it really limited because then for those people, they've really got something special. Limited is good, but not 30. Give us 60. How many, where do you stop? How many? 120. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but I think like talking to Jess, because it is quite out there and quite a unique motorcycle in terms of the style, it's not everyone's cup of tea. Like your average tough guy, Harley guy is going to look at it. They're not really going to get it unless you know the history of the brand and, and older models. But I sort of got the feeling that they were, because she placed the order, so... I got the feeling that they, I don't know, they just they weren't sure how it was going to go either because it's it's a bold motorcycle. I was really into it, but Jason, our GM, hated it, yeah. and he was like, "There's no way, no one's going to buy them." He was carrying exactly. on, and I'm like, "All right, I'm yeah. going to prove you wrong." And every time one come up, I was like, "There's another one. There's another one." <laughs> oh. Yeah, um, <laughs> I like I like a little bit of that. Oh yeah, it was grouse. It was a good day. I like it. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was it was cool, but um. But it's exactly for that, like, Jason's a bit of a typical Harley customer in terms of, like, age and just likes what he likes, you know. He's very conservative. 
Yeah. Whereas this was pretty out there. Like it's not a Harley in terms of like a breakout. We sell breakouts all the time. It's tough. It's low. It's not a tough yeah. guy bike. It is more of a sophisticated collector bike, if anything. Mm. So you just never know. Imagine if they ordered 120 and then everyone went, oh, this is shit. Yeah. They're only going to do two a year. Now, I mustn't have read it properly because I thought there was going to be a, a bunch of them a year. And then this morning when I was putting this show together, I read there's only going to be a couple. So that's kind of sucks because I would have been cool to see them roll one out every couple of months. Yeah. But I guess they can get better value out of it and it can last a bit longer if they only do two a year. Then you get five years out of it if you do ten models instead of banging out ten. What are your predictions for the next one? Or what or what would you like to see? My number one prediction would be a like a sparkling America FX Superglide. So mm-hmm. nineteen seventy one, fifty years ago. It would be just too perfect to have a anniversary. 50th anniversary, sparkling America, red, white, and blue super glide. That would just be too perfect. They've done it before. They had the FXD thirty five in two thousand and six. So I think I don't know whether they would go to the extent of putting a boat tail rear guard on it. That might be a bit too much. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. but that would be my. That would probably be the best one to pick. Makes a lot of sense for sure. Fifty years is a, mm. like, that's what a else good have you got number. on your list? An easy one would be a Sturgis, yep. which is very similar to the style. Was that? Uh, 1980. Yep. And then, but then they did a couple, and then they re-brought them out in '91. Yep, that's right. Which again, thirty years, so they could do a thirtieth anniversary of the first diner. because it it was a street bob, wasn't it? Well, it's called a FXDB, so it's yeah. the first diner. So it ties in with the whole Street Bob. They could do a one one four Street Bob one one four version of it. Well, it's probably more like a lowrider S in style, okay, rather than a Street Bob because the Street Bob name didn't come down until later. It was just a model designation, just happened to just be just happened the same. to be the same okay. because it was FXD, which was FXD for diner yep. and B because it was all blacked out, mm-hmm. which ended up being the same for a Street Bob, but. 30 years of the diner slash Sturgis, but then another 11 years before that was the original Sturgis, so that would be an easy one to do. We've got a Lowrider S. You could just do a blacked-out bike with some. And I think if you have a look, actually, they might have done a anniversary I think Sturgis it'd be too thing. similar. It's just going to might could be another blacked-out-looking Lowrider S where yeah. the... Electroglide was completely different to anything, you know. They just didn't yeah. get a yeah. low rider and yeah. make it all black. Yeah. Whereas the Superglide would be an easy one to do because you could use like that FX sort of low rider sort of chassis with the low rider rear guard, put some spoke wheels on it, cool paint job. Because you got to remember they're developing these bikes in six months, seven months, eight months, not three years. So it's not going to be a whole overhauled model. They're going to use things that they've already got, maybe some new wheels or bits and pieces and use things that they're already producing. What they've got a shitload of bikes of in the warehouse. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite. Maybe. Next one would be maybe a wide glide. I had wide glide as my number one. Wouldn't be a hard one to do. Also, 1981 was the first year of a wide glide. 
So you got 40 years there. I'd love to see it. Flames and all on the tank. That would be fucking rad. be so good. That would be so cool. Um, that was my number one. The, another one I had was a 1936 EL Knucklehead. Going right back, very old school looking. You know who do that really well is Royal Enfield. They've yeah. got yeah. new bikes that look... You wouldn't even know that it's a new bike. You wouldn't. And that's yeah. what I think Harley could do with something yeah. like that 1936 EL Knucklehead. It's just a bloody beautiful bike to look at. Which I suppose they could use like a Softail Slim as a base point. Mm-hmm. And then use knuckle badges and... It would be cool. Hollywood bars, things yep. like that. Some badging. Yeah, probably not a bad guess. So I had the wide glide. And then I just wrote one down as we were talking about sporties. And it's very unlikely because they've fucked them off. But I think I would love to see a revival of the 72. Yeah, that'd be a cool one. I don't know if it's old enough though. Because it's only like 2012, I think, they first came out. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Scrap that then. Actually, a nostalgia, like a cow glide. So they yeah. can do a stripped down FLSTN style bike because we don't have one of them. We've got a heritage, but like when the nostalgia first came out, that was basically like a stripped down heritage, limited numbers, cow glide seat. What year was that? 1993. They could save that up for a couple of years' time and do one like a 30th anniversary nostalgia. Yep. And do cow glide, have like cow skin on the seat again. That'd be pretty cool. I would don't think that would go that down that good. Man, people love them. Oh, you really? Yeah, Theo. It's one of his favourite bikes. Yeah, but that says a lot about it, doesn't it? Who's <laughs> <laughs> seen what else he's got sitting out there? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I reckon like they're for the collectors, because a lot of the guys that are buying that have bought the revivals are all collectors. Yep, they are. Yeah. There like was one guy down at Warrigal who missed out, but he had twenty five old Harleys. Oh wow. Sitting in a garage. Yeah, right. And he doesn't do anything with them, just occasionally looks at them, but he wanted one of those to do that, but he missed out. Yeah, right. So he's already got his name down for yeah whatever's next. Yeah. He doesn't care what it is. Yeah. The second that Fodie can order it, yeah. he said, order it. Yeah. I don't give a shit what it is. That's good. I want it. <laughs> yeah, right. That's so pretty good. I think there's going to be a bunch of people <laughs> like that. Well, we've got a few people like that. They've probably already got yeah. deposits on the next one. Yeah. Who missed out on that? Who may have just carried it over to yeah. the next one saying, I don't give a fuck what yeah. it is. I just want it. So there's people as well that we've spoken to that want one of each one. They're just like, I don't mm. care. Because talking to Harley, Lindsay said, like, because they physically called every single customer that ordered one. Yeah. A, to make sure they were a genuine customer. Yep. And B, just to suss them out and congratulate them. You've got one of these limited bikes. And he said that there was a couple of guys that were – Big time collectors, they wanted specific numbers. They're going, I don't even care how much it costs. Just get me this specific number of the 1500. And other ones, like, just put me down. For Surely they couldn't one. be fussy with that. Don't know. Well, they were particular about their wanting numbers. So hmm. I don't know how, like, if they could even do that. But, but I think it's interesting, though, overall. I think it really speaks to the direction of the company. Everything that I saw online, like for the last couple of years, Harley's copped a bit of flack for not really listening to the customers, which I think is just a bit of a transition stage. Now we've got this new direction. They're doubling down on things that people like. It was really refreshing to see lots of positive engagement on social media from that. There was yeah. not hardly anyone said that thing sucked. The only thing that looked shit, blah, blah, blah. Like the everyone the was stoked. comments was the price. People in America seem to be going on about the price. Oh, really? Yeah, see, I didn't cop any of that on our social. Which 
was not even relevant to us because at the end of the day, we knew that it was going to be a tourer. You know, it's got roughly the same features as a street glide, so the price was roughly the same as a street glide, mm-hmm. which I don't think was that unreal. I mean, outrageous. I don't think people were complaining because we was only thirty in Australia, and if you wanted one, yeah. people probably would have paid more. Well, I've got customers that have rung up and saying, "Get me one. I'm happy to pay for." I've got cash more. now. <laughs> yeah, they want to pay for it. I like, I'll give you the money now. I would give you one if I could, but unfortunately, yeah, that didn't help. <laughs> uh, I think we're going to finish up there. We got some questions for today. Yeah, I've got a few questions. What are they? So, number one from Dale Guthrie. Old Dale. Old Dale, long time listener. Mm. He said, How have you been? Going all right. Thanks, Welcome mate. Welcome back, boys. Where have we been? No, how? Where? Sorry, where? Yeah, I'll read it properly. Yeah, sorry. So, where have you been? Well, We've been busy, man. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty much it. We've just been busy and uh, we kind of the show, I don't know, it's not like we ran out of things to talk about, but we just, it wasn't a priority. Well, we've done 40 shows. We've done 40 shows. We just took a breather, but we're back now, mate. So don't stress yeah. when you're doing your fly-in, fly-out stuff or you're detailing your cars back there in Mount Gambia, you can uh, put on Spotify and have a listen, mate. We're back. He did a, um, Dale did a car show in... Mount Gambia because I was in Mount Gambia. That's where I was. They I was in Mount Gambia visiting you, although I didn't visit him. But I was there. Should have messaged me while I was there. I was only there for one night. Ah, okay, time, but I would have gone and visited you otherwise. What else? Enough about him. Uh, Ash, when are we doing demo days? We don't really have enough demos at the moment. No, no, no. We we probably do if we got them in from every store, but. I mean, we've had competition doing demo days, but I don't know. I, I've 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 been asking the question: When do we want to do them? And yeah, it's either we don't have enough demos, we don't have a wide enough range. To be honest, I'm not a big fan of demo day. How come? I think like every day is demo day. Well, that's true. And you get a better experience riding with one on one with one of our sales guys because the sales guys every single test ride we do is accompanied. We go on a set test route. We will stop halfway, have a bit of a chat about the bike, and come back. What's your conversion from a demo rate? A demo day? Are they mainly joy riders? Yeah, little. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but it's hard too because you don't know. It's like on Saturday, it was raining on and off, and there were people here that wanted to still go on a shop ride. And I said, look, as a business, we are a business. We're a company. We've got a duty of care to our customers, to our staff. We don't know the people that are coming to these events. We don't know their skill levels. They may have a motorcycle license. They may own a motorcycle. But I've seen some people that have owned motorcycles and ridden motorcycles and maybe they shouldn't. So <laughs> on a you're sort of tempting fate when it's raining. So we pulled yeah. the plug and people were there was a few people that were a little bit Oh, why did you oh, I'm happy to ride in the rain? Oh, for real. Yeah. So off you go. Same with demo day. I just feel you don't always you got Say five or six people riding bikes they're not sure about. They've never ridden before. A lot of them are just there to joy ride and see what it can do. Mm-hmm. You end up with people blasting past you. It's, and you don't really get to experience the motorcycle. Like if you really genuinely want to look at a street glide, for example, want to see how it goes at 100 kilometers an hour, you're not going to be able to do that on a demo day. You're better off saying booking with a salesperson getting that one-on-one personal experience and experiencing the motorcycle, you know? Yep. That's just what I think. No, fair enough. What else we got? Uh, next question is from Craig. <coughs> hey, Craig. Hey, Craig. 
He said, when do the Iron E Kids electric balance bikes arrive and how do I get one? Okay, so I can answer that one. So first off, they're pretty bloody cool, those things. So the Iron E electric I balance bikes. Myself. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be a little bit big. You reckon you're too big for a sporty? That would be awesome. Imagine you're gonna be too. You're going to be too big for a 16-inch balance bike. So they are the... Uh, That's pretty small, isn't it? They're the genuine <laughs> Harley-Davidson electric balance bikes. Uh, they've been out in the US for a little while now, um, and we're finally getting them here to Australia. There's three different models. There's a 12-inch, there's a 16-inch, and then there's a 16-inch brushless motor, which um, is the better version. It's the premium version, a bit more power, a bit more torque. But these things are really cool. Uh, and we are selling them now. We've been selling them probably for about a month. We've got yeah, a ton of orders in there. Yeah. It's not the cheapest thing. No, it's like 1600 bucks for the deer one for a balance yeah. bike. But you would probably spend more than that on a PW50 where it really limits where you can ride it. Correct. Like because of sound. You could ride this in your house. You can ride it anywhere. Footpath, paddock across the road, like yeah. anywhere. Yeah. Um, with, no, with zero sound. So yeah. it's really that first introduction to motorcycling for kids. I wonder what the legalities are surrounding it. 25k speed limit before you have to reg on. wonder how fast do these go? Probably 25. Hmm. It's the same as an e-bike for, yeah, ma- for yeah, mountain biking. Yeah, actually, I knew that. Yeah, so it's the same thing. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so they've just been delayed. So we found out literally five minutes before we went to record this show. Legitimately... Perfect time. We were talking about it, saying, "Oh yeah, we sh- should um, add that question in," and then an email come through to say they're being delayed till uh, late June, which isn't so bad. It's just a coincidence. Yeah, perfect but like, timing. Um, you know, when we bought them, right? So we got a, we ordered a bunch of bikes per shop, and we also got a display stand to sit on. But they also supply a kit. Which is an inflatable track. No. Yeah, so we've got one inflatable no. we've got one inflatable track <laughs> to share between the group that we could set up in the car park, put a bunch on demos oh, and have so race day for kids. So they're all man you know, or the mum comes to the Or the dad. The dad, whoever. They come to the shop and we can send their kids out on this track. Send the kids out. I don't want to go. Where are you gonna do it here for starters? And they that in the I don't know. How on that polished it? concrete floor, how do you reckon our mate Graham Mollison's gonna go once you start riding electric bikes on that beautiful polished concrete out there? Oh, but it'd be so much fun. No, nah, we'll be done at Dandenong or Ringwood, somewhere where there's a bit of space. <laughs> well, big enough to do, you know, laps. It's pretty big. Got a loading dock, we'll make it work. No, that's 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 too small. We'll hire out the car wash across the road. <laughs> car wash would be all right. We'll hire it out there. Um, is that it? Any other questions? Uh, I've got another question from James. James, he's been looking at the Bring Out the Beast promo. Oh, yeah, and he Ringwood, Danny Nong, Western Sydney. And he said, What do they mean? What do the stages mean? Okay, which we've been over this plenty of times before. That's okay, let's go again, which is fine. Stage one, stage one is. Generally, pipes filled a tuner. Stage two. So it's just intake and exhaust. Yep. Stage two will be an upgraded camshaft. Stage three is generally not always about bigger displacement and higher compression. And then stage four so That's is when you start going from that's well, 114 to yeah. 117. That's when you really start opening up the bike. Actually, stage three is not that common. I generally tend to find if people are going to open up the engine like that and start doing barrels and pistons... They'll just jump straight to stage four mm. for an extra couple of grand. What's the difference between three and four? Heads, throttle body, injectors, yep. 
just all the extra stuff. So, so why? But it's a significant jump if it's a couple of grand. Yeah. I'm surprised three isn't as popular as what you th- say it is. I think the logic is people, because there's stages and steps, people will go, oh, I'll get stage one. I want a bit more power. I'll get stage two. Because no matter how much power you got, you always want more. Yep. And then instead of going stage three, a lot of people see the value in, oh, maybe I'll do stage four down the track oh, if I'm thinking that. But if you're going to spend that money, you might as well spend it at that time. You're going to double up on the labour. So yeah, to right. do stage four. Four from a stage three. There's a fair bit of labour in there. Still got to pull the. Tanks. How many hours? Uh, I think we allow fifteen hours around there. That's like a that. significant bill just yeah. in labour. Yeah. So then to go from stage three to stage four, I don't know. Let's say ten hours because you still got to pull yeah. the top end off. You still got to do all this stuff. Yeah, it's a grand. So a bit more. They just see the value in skipping stage straight to stage four. Makes sense when you talk about labour. Yeah, but generally, like, the power delivery from a stage three is a little bit different to four. Harley rates all the kits that stage three is more of a torque bottom end sort of kit, whereas stage four is more top end. But if you're going to do that, you can then pair the stage four with a different cam to change the power delivery. So lots of different ways to do it. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people, yeah, just go straight to stage four. Good one. All right, well, we're going to wrap that one up there. Uh, thanks very much for joining me again today, Benny. It's been really good sitting back here and having a chat for the last hour. I look forward to uh, stepping it up again and, and getting these shows pumping again. So uh, I know you're away next Tuesday. I'm away next Tuesday. So let's aim for Tuesday week. Fortnightly, like we said at the start of the show. We'll do it fortnightly. Um, any ideas or any suggestions on topics that you'd like us to talk about, shoot them through to our Instagram, Ben. Uh, at Harley Heaven or Harley Heaven Mel, Ben or I will see it. Uh, anything else, any questions, shoot them through as well. But we really appreciate your support. Uh, and uh, thanks as always for listening in and, and choosing Harley Heaven. Uh, we'll speak to you soon. See you guys. Ride safe. <laughs>